0: you know and that's god's heart for us to be transformed we come um to be transformed we come to be more like him created more in his image so as we as we as we sing that that's the message we're crying out to god um that he fills our hearts with the understanding of that stuff i mean it, it, and praise god for our worship team man the, that they can bring us into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we've been talking, um, you're going through the book of Exodus, and um, we've been talking about trusting God on the journey. We're on a journey, aren't we? Amen. We're on a pilgrimage, and it's this journey that we're on. And in this journey, um, things don't happen the way we think they should happen, right? And so how do we trust God in the midst of that? And so we've been talking about trusting God on the journey. We've been looking at Moses. We've been trying to understand what's going on in Moses' life, and you know how he's being um, impacted by God. And so we've been talking about some principles that I just want to um, review, because here's the thing: I, you know, I, I, I in my corporate life, um, I was I was a, I was a trainer for a lot of my career, and so I, I did a lot of training, and 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 in my pre-corporal life uh, as an education. Uh, And so there's there's a principle that's a great principle if you want people to learn something. It's called the three R's. You know what they are? Repeat, repeat, (laughs) repeat. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time today, again, going over these principles but then I really, wanted, I really want us to, to, to drive them home a little bit because I want this to be uh, far more practical from an application point of view. And so we started talking about this principle of perception and self-talk and behavior and how so often we're driven, our behaviors driven by perceptions that we have. And so we have these perceptions, and then our mind works at 1,200 words per minute. And so we have this internal talking that goes on at 1,200 words per minute about what we saw or thought we saw that causes us to behave in a certain way. And so perceptions are powerful things that happen. We talked about the fact that Moses had this perception that maybe he was supposed to be the one to, to, to ease things up for, the pe- for his people. And so he decided that he was going to go and try and make things a little bit easier for them. Um, the Israelites perception was that they wanted God to make things easier for them both of their perceptions were that God wanted them that they were supposed to stay in Egypt while God was doing all this stuff which was not God's plan right God's plan was that they were going to go to the promised land so even though these guys thought that they were praying for God to do something that they wanted God to do they actually weren't asking God to do what God wanted to do does that make sense So if ever God's not answering your prayer, probably you're not asking him to do what he wants you to do. Just a thought. Just a thought. So here's the thing about perceptions. Perceptions can be so strong that they just, they rule out other options. I mean, we can have such a strong perception about something that we literally don't see other options. Does that make sense? I mean, have you ever known you were right? Only the women are saying yes. The men (laughs) go, I'm not answering that question. She's sitting next to me. I haven't been right in 35 years. But have have you ever just known 100% that you're right? And you just know that it's right. And then you find out some more information. You find out that you really weren't right. Don't you hate that when that happens? But that's what happens. We get this perception and we go, I know, I know, I know and then all of a sudden things change and we go, oh, I didn't, see it. I didn't see that, I didn't understand that. It happens, right? That's what happens with perceptions and that's how perceptions begin to draw, drive our behavior and stuff because we, start, we, we, we don't maybe see the whole picture. I mean, let's take some examples. I'm going to show you some things and let's see how we do with this stuff. This is all about perceptions, right? So what do you see up there? A horse? Two horses standing on their hind legs? Anybody see a woman? Yeah, so, oh, say, oh, yeah, there is one. Okay, so, I mean, it could be two different things depending on how you look at it, right? Does anybody not see the two horses? Who doesn't see the woman? Okay, good, next one. How many see an old man looking this way with a beard, gray hair? How many see some guy on a horse with a hat and somebody sleeping in a little thing down here? See that? Okay, next one. How many see an old guy looking out this way? This one's not as easy to see, right? How many see the guy playing the flute with the lady sitting behind him on a rock? Okay, next one. Oh, Another old guy with a beard. I don't know about these old guys with beards. I think Thompson picked these out. Okay, how how many see the old guy with the beard facing this way? How many see the, the godly woman reading her Bible? With, the, with their mean dad making her read it. Okay, you see those? Okay, next one. How many see an old hag? An old hag. Does anybody not see the old hag? Big chin, long nose. She's looking this way. She's got a nose here, chin. Okay. How many see, How many see that beautiful French girl? The short black hair and the hat? Robert doesn't see the old hag. Here, see this white thing down here? That's her chin. See that black thing going through? That's her mouth. Then there's her nose. If I was taller, I could point to it, but if I was taller, I'd be playing the NBA. Uh, next one. How many see a chess piece? Yeah, who sees the two people looking at each other? Okay, next one. This one. Who sees the arrow? How many see, people see the arrow? Who does not see the arrow? what arrow? Okay, FedEx. The E, the bottom part of the E, the arrow points into the X. Do you see it? How many times have we seen FedEx trucks and not seen that arrow? It's a satanic, satanic, no it's not. Okay, next one, last one. Who sees four four by fours laying on the ground? How many see three? how many see 12? (laughs) You're in trouble. Okay, so perceptions, um, things a lot of times aren't what they seem, right? I mean, we could think we're seeing something, and what we're seeing really isn't what's really going on. So we talked about how perceptions drive our behavior, and then we talked about the fact that God is the one who has our purpose, and then he promises that he's going to carry out his purpose. And then he prepares us so that we're prepared to do the stuff that he wants us to do. Then we went on to really talk about the fact that God really wants to take us from from here to there. Okay, so he wanted to take the, the, the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land. His goal was not to have them stay in Egypt, it was to take him from here to there. And so often we get really comfortable in Egypt, don't we? And God says, hey, I want to move you from here to there. But we don't get it because our perception of what, where we are it, it is, is, is so cloudy that we can't see where he wants to take us and, and the benefit of where he really wants to take us. And so then we began to talk about how um, God prepared Moses so that Moses was, was being equipped to do what God wanted him to do. Because Moses was, you know, had all of the tools to do it his way, right? He's a second-hand man to Pharaoh. He had all the authority. He c- controlled the armies. I mean, he had everything going for him, and he tried to do it his way, and it didn't work. And so we talked about the preparation process of God developing the skills and the attitude that Moses needed to actually be somebody who could shepherd his people, not somebody who would command his people. God didn't want a commander-in-chief; He wanted a shepherd. So he was, teaching, he was teaching Moses how to be a shepherd and then he, he spent some time helping Moses understand who he was because Moses was raised on the gods of Egypt. Moses was well-founded on the gods of Egypt. Moses really didn't have a lot of input on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you read the, the, the book of Exodus, God always is going back and back and back. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the Lord of lords. I'm the king of kings. I'm the almighty God. I'm Jehovah Jireh. That is me, not these guys. And I'm going to show you that, that I'm bigger than the gods that you are very familiar with. So he went through a whole preparation process so that Moses knew who God was, knew the tools he had. And remember the message. What's in your hand, Moses? Use the resources that I'm giving you because I'm going to empower those resources. And he says, believe this believe this, believe this, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. So the promise that God had that I'm going to move you into something that's not comfortable, but I'm going to be with you, and I am God. Okay, so all that stuff was preparation that, that God took Moses through, and then the real issue became with Moses is, is he not that, not that he's able, but is he willing? And what we, what we saw is Moses basically got to the point where he just said, you know what, God, just send somebody else. I don't want to go, right? Because his perception was, did that, been there, done that, didn't work, not doing it again. Thank you very much. Okay, so God had to work through all that stuff and get Moses to where he really wanted to go. And, um, and so that's kind of where we left it off. And as I was studying for the a passage that we are going to be covering this morning, uh, chapter six and seven. God totally changed directions on me, and so we're going to talk about something that I think is really important. I really want to talk about practical application, because God called Moses to His plan. So God took God; He kind of got Moses' attention, right? He, he, there's a burning bush. I mean, that, that that might get some of our attention, and so so Moses turned aside to 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 talk to God, and God revealed to Moses who he was, and then he really dealt with some of his, you know, paralyzing fears that he had. And then we see that 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 all of that was really couched again around the fact that, that God had a purpose for him, that he, would, he promised he was going to carry out his part, and that, that um, he was going to prepare him to do the stuff that he wanted to do. But one of the things that I, I, I just has been impressed on my heart is it really doesn't matter if we talk about all that good stuff and we don't do anything with it. Amen? I mean, God could come to me and say, Dave, I have this great vacation plan for you. I mean, you're going to go to all the different states in the United States. You're going to play golf in all the best golf courses in the United States. It's going to be like a five-month trip. I got this motorhome all picked out for you. I got everything rotted, everything pr- pr- taken care of. All the reservations are made. All the golf course reservations are made. You are ready to go. So I go out, get in my motorhome, turn on the key, and I sit there. And I sit there, and I sit there for five months. Was that good? What did I miss? I go, I like this motorhome. Put the slides out. Look at all this room. So nice. The bed is one of those comfort beds, you know. We can fill it up and lay it down. And that's really cool. And we have a TV right here. I can watch TV in bed. And, and I'm parked out in front of my house. Was that God's plan for me? No. But did I like it? I didn't know what I was missing. Because I, I didn't apply the things that God gave me to do. And so often I think we, we hear what God has to say and, and we don't apply it. And so I want to take some time today to actually work on application. I want to talk about, you know, perceptions. I want to talk about what drives us and how we develop perception. And what do we do with what God has given us? I mean, when, you, when we talk about perceptions, what are some things, this is going to be participation, what are some things that, that determine our perceptions in life? Pardon? Is it hard or not? So, you know, we, we perceive that if it's hard, I don't like it. If it's not hard, I like it. So we ask that question. What other things co- drive our perceptions, create our perceptions that we have? Past experience. Past experience. I, my perception of things are determined by what happened in the past. What else? Emotions. Okay. Pardon? Education. Education. Yeah, a lot of it. That's right. What else? Pardon? Looks. Yeah. Money. So there's a lot of things that drive our perceptions. And and that's the stuff that we, we filter things through. So my you know, my my past may have taught me that, you know, having money and comfort and everything is a way to go. And if you don't have it, it's not good. So everything I perceive is around getting money and possessions and stuff like that. My education may be telling me that. Um, you know, that if I'm smart and I'm educated and stuff, I'm going to be more successful than the people that aren't educated or lazy. I mean, maybe I got taught that. So, I mean, those would drive my perceptions, right? Now, when we talk about perceptions, and, here, and, and I, 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 I want to make sure, okay, everybody look at me for a minute, okay? Stop what you're doing. If you're sleeping, wake them up. If somebody's sleeping, wake them up, okay? Because I want to make sure that you hear this. I, I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to talk about stuff that's going on today, okay? And I'm not, I'm not going to give you a position on, on, on it. I'm not going to be pro or against it. I just am going to talk about it as an illustration, okay? So I can illustrate how we as a people can be people who obey Christ in our situations. Are you with me? So I'm not taking a position Okay, I mean, I, I told a story about me driving up the road, going 100 miles an hour. I still have people asking me, was your dad really the judge, and you really got off that ticket? And I go, I did not drive up my street at 100 miles an hour. That was an illustration. Okay, so I want to illustrate some stuff as, as a, as, to help us understand how do we become Christ followers who live today? Because if any of us have, have been alive for the last nine months, there's been things going on. Because wouldn't you agree that one of the strongest sources of influence for our perceptions today is the media? Yeah. You know, is, is our looks important? The media will tell you. Yes, they are. Is having money important? The media will tell you. Yes, they are. And they, they'll, they, do they have the ability to get us to see things the way they want us to see things based on how they report? Right? Yeah either side, especially the political spectrum. So in, in the context of that, I want to talk about something that's been going on for about nine or ten months, okay? We, ha- we have a president that's in power now, or a sitting president. I don't know if he's in power, but he's, a, he's our president, and, and the media does not like him. Anybody understand that? Okay, they just don't like him, And and good, bad, or indifferent, that's just the reality, right? Because here's the thing, I heard I heard a guy say this which is really pretty cool. He said, he said, if if President Trump came up with a cure for cancer and he was able to heal everybody in the country of cancer, you know what the headlines would say? Trump puts doctors out of work. (laughs) I'm just saying. And again, I'm not taking a side, I'm just trying to help paint a picture of how we can be influenced and our perceptions can be influenced by the media. Now on the flip side, we have a president that has been very unpresidential compared to a lot of other presidents. I don't remember any presidents calling things fake news and lying media and just calling names of people and doing stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm being very unbiased in this, but I want to paint this picture of what's going on in the last eight or nine months that has caused a tremendous amount of conflict. And it's, and it's caused people who have perceptions to be on very opposite ends of the spectrum, amen? amen. And in a way that's very divisive and controversial, amen? amen? So how do we as Christ followers live in that? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Because it doesn't matter if we talk about Exodus and we talk about Moses and we talk about good God is and we continue to live like people who don't know Jesus. So you know what I'm talking about? So that's why I'm talking about this. So if the guy next to you has been sleeping and he wakes up in the middle of this, tell him, I, I, this is not a Trump rally. This is, this, is, this is us being Christ followers walking in obedience to Jesus. Okay, you with me? So I want to talk about how we as people can, can come in and, and, and make a difference as world changers in this. Anybody who watches TV on Sunday morning knows that there's a whole bunch of guys that were supposed to stand during the national anthem and chose not to stand. Right? Okay. They they decided that they were going to protest. What our president? And so we have a lot of difference of opinions on on why they did that. Was it a right thing? Was it a wrong thing? Um, and 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 so much of it's driven by our perceptions. I mean, we have perceptions. We were brought up to honor the flag. We were brought up to honor our country. We were brought up not to raise. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, and so we base our opinions on what happened based on our perceptions. We have self-talk, and we have behavior that works within that, and so here's the thing. I'm not talking about whether we take positions, and by the way, I think we should take positions. I think we should have convictions of what we should believe, and then we should hold those convictions. But, but, but I want to talk about how do we be Christ followers as we're in this culture where there seems to be more and more controversy, and who does Jesus call us to be in this type of a culture? Are you with me? So I really want us to get to practical applications of what it is to be somebody who walks in Christ. And, and, and how did, how does that, I mean, that's the same exact stuff that God was calling Moses to do. It was a total shift in Moses thought process that God had to take him through. And maybe for some of us, God needs to help us kind of make a shift on what does it really mean to be a Christ follower today? And then as we continue to go through Exodus, I want us to be able to make these practical applications so that we leave here transform people. So we leave here with ways that we can be different because God met us while we we're here. So that when we think about what do I want to do on Sunday morning and I'm preaching to the choir because you all hear this becomes a priority. I mean we want to come because we know that as we come here our lives are going to be transformed and there is nothing more important in my life than that Jesus Christ transform me. That last song we sang just if we make that our prayer that just becomes a passion, we want that more than we want to eat food. I mean, if that could happen to me, I would, uh, I'd, be, uh, I'd be 30 pounds lighter, first of all, <laughs> and I'd be so much more in love with Jesus. Okay, so I want to talk about this. So I really want us to understand what God's will is because here's the thing. I looked. I said, where the heck is first NFL? that can tell me whether it's right for those guys to stand up or not. And should I watch the game today or should I not watch the game today? Or should I wear that guy's jersey anymore? Should I not wear his jersey? You know, where where does it tell me how I should behave like that? There's no place where where it tells you, you need to not watch football games because they didn't stand up. So what we do have to do is find out what does God tell us? Because here's the thing, God is way more concerned with who you're becoming than what you're doing. You, you know what I mean? So, so when, when God is, is transforming you and you're becoming more Christ-like, then you will do things in situations that are more Christ-like. Are you with me? And that's the key. So that when we get in situations that are so controversial about whether we like or don't like our president, how do we be Christ-like in those conversations? How do we know what God's will is for me in those situations? So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians, New Testament, get through the Gospels. You're going to get through Acts, Romans, then General Electric Phone Company. After you get to Colossians, then you're going to get to uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Phone Company. You guys didn't learn that? What's Doug been teaching you guys? Okay, First Thessalonians 5, we're going to be in verse 12. But we, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, educate, um, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Now listen to this. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did everybody get that? You want to know God's will for you? Read those last words three or four verses, and then continue to reading, because this is God's will for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart so that you're set apart for his purposes. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. This is ground that has been set apart because I'm going to talk to you, Moses, about how I'm going to set you apart for my purposes. That's what Paul's talking about here. And, the, and, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. I am going to prepare you for the call that I have for you without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. So I want you to do this because this is my will. And by the way, faithful is he who has called you to walk this way because he will bring it to pass. Okay, do we struggle with how do we behave in our culture today? How do we behave in all the stuff that's going on? Paul gives us some really practical things that we can do in the light of this. So, appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Esteem them highly in love because of their work. So, you know, text Doug, email Doug, tell him he's great, all that kind of stuff. He won't have a clue what happened, but just do that, you know. Um, And Ricky, too. Live in peace with one another. These are a lot of... Sorry, Ricky. (laughs) It's like he's like the afterthought, you know. It's like... (laughs) So... Here are the yeah, but ones. Live in peace with one another. Yeah, but you don't know my neighbor, right? Yeah, but if you lived with her, you wouldn't want to be a pe- We do not been in peace in 10 years, okay? We have those, yeah, administ- this one is, yeah. Adminish the unruly. Yeah, we can do that. Encourage the fainthearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. No, my, my, my son's 13 years old. You can't be patient with, Okay. <laughs> See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Uh, Yeah, but God, do you know what they said? And you know how they said it? And you know how they treated me? Don't we do that? I mean, it's not like, yeah, but. I mean, yeah, but. Same thing we talked about two Sundays ago with Moses, right? Yeah, but God, you don't understand. This is God's will for us. Seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. All people? All people? All people? Not our president. No way. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Examine everything carefully. Make sure that what you're looking at is God's will, as God's word, is ordained by God. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. This is God's will for us. Listen, listen, you guys. Single ladies, you want to marry somebody who's godly, somebody who will treat you right, somebody who just walks with the Lord, then be godly. Be somebody who's attractive to a godly man. Men, you want somebody who will love you and respect you and and just be a godly woman? Be a godly man. Be attractive to somebody who's godly. They'll be attracted to you. If you're you're living in sin, they will not be attracted to you. You want to be somebody employed who's getting promoted, who's being successful, Then, then be somebody who walks spiritually as God tells us. Do not be be a peacemaker. Work hard. Be diligent. Be understanding. I mean, look at the things. If you just take some of these things corporately and say, how many employers would want somebody who can live peacefully with one another? How many could want somebody to work with them who will encourage those people who are faint-hearted? How many of you would want somebody to work with them who can encourage the people that aren't figuring it out, will help them figure it out? How many people would want somebody who's patient with everybody? How, how would you like somebody working in your company who doesn't repay evil for evil, but, but loves people? I mean, who... How many employers would want somebody like that working in their company? These are just practical things that Paul says, if you want to be somebody who who, um, does my will, this is how you walk according to my will. So when we figure this out, this is powerful stuff for us. And this stuff is the same stuff as we continue to go through Exodus that I want us to be able to draw these applications that as we look at principles that God's teaching us, then we go, yes, I need to do that because that's transformational in my life. Now, for those of you that go, um, well, yeah, but, you know, political really isn't a thing. You know, just, just to read Scripture. Let's turn to, to Romans 13. Because if we really want to say, okay, so what really is God's will for uh, me, as in this whole political environment, this this gives us a jumping-off point, point. and this is the, this is a great "yeah, but" passage because we're going to read this and go "yeah, but." And I, I just want to set the precedent. This was written by Paul in the midst of the Roman Empire, where the the Romans were persecuting the Christians, were abusing the Christians. Paul's probably in prison, and so this isn't like you know this if he saw us in America, he'd go, are you guys kidding me? You guys are whining? You guys are upset? Really? So here's here's Romans 13. We're just going to read the first 10 verses. Then I, I want to really talk about application. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. This is is directly from what Jesus told, render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What did Jesus say to Peter? Give Caesar what is Caesar's, okay? Give God what is God's. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Now listen to these last three verses. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then he talks about the law. For these are some of the Ten Commandments. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Those are all relational things that we do, that we, that we don't do if we love people. And then he says, if there's any other commandment, is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So let me do a little bit of application for us when we start looking at this passage. Everyone's a subject to governing authorities. He says, you know, if you're, if you're not doing anything wrong, don't be afraid. I mean, in our neighborhood, um, the city, not Doherty, but Bradbury, put a bunch of stop signs on our street. And so um, it's just interesting because they put a bunch of stop signs on our street in places that didn't make sense, and then they started parking sheriffs on those stop signs. Like at all times, midnight, there'll be a sheriff parked there to see if somebody doesn't stop and it's not that did you go through it. It's like, did you roll and stop with your tires over the line? And they were paying these guys overtime to write tickets, probably generate revenue. I don't know. Um, and, and people were getting all upset, including me. I'm going, this is ridiculous. And so my perception, self-talk, and all kinds of behavior was happening too, because I'm sure that, that the, the, these guys were just crooks and all that. Da, da, da. But you know what the reality is? You know how to not get stressed out about that, not get upset about it? Just stop at the stupid stop sign you know just stop if they're not there no big deal if they're there you wave to them just stop it's no big deal that's it stress is gone frustration's gone judgment's gone condemnation's gone all that stuff's gone just just stop it's no big deal that's what it's all about now 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 let's take this and apply it a little bit because i just really want you to understand this because here's the thing paul is talking to us about loving people For Jesus so loved the world, I mean, God so loved the world that what did he do? He sent a son. Why? So that none should perish, so that everybody should have eternal life. And the next verse says, "I, I, I didn't come to judge the world, but that the world would be saved. Okay? So does that include President Trump? Yeah, but nah, couldn't be. Does that include the politicians in Washington? Does that include the politicians? It can't be Sacramento guys. They are really bad. <laughs> Everybody, right? Now, here's the other thing. Years ago, I was in, in um, D.C., and, and I met with the pastor who did the prayer breakfast for Congress. And so he asked me, you want to come to the prayer breakfast? I go, yes. And, and these congressmen came and prayed and shared, these were godly men who loved Jesus, wanted to serve Jesus, wanted to make a difference. Godly men that were there in that wicked city. There are people that are, that are in Washington and in Sacramento that love Jesus, that want to make a difference, that want to be a light in the world. You want to know what God is calling us to do as um, followers of Christ In the light of the politics, pray for them. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray for those Christians so that they could be a light, so that they would be strong, so that they'd have wisdom and discernment and understanding that they could be Jesus in the midst of darkness, so that people could see the light. And then pray for those people who don't know Jesus, that, that, that God would soften their heart and that they would be able to see the truth, that they would recognize the truth. Because here's the reality. God is way more concerned about people's salvation than he is about their political affiliation. Are you with me? Now, that's not saying we don't have convictions, we don't take positions, but I'm telling you God's priority is way more about people meeting Him than what party they belong to. And if we have that passion where we become more concerned about praying for people's salvation, that is what's changing the world. You with me? So this, th- these principles are principles I just want us to get our arms around. Let's turn to Matthew 5. I just want to take some practical application passages that we can say, okay, in this culture where we have things going on and we really aren't sure how we're supposed to respond or what God's, what God's will is for us, then how do we do this? How do we respond when things are happening that we aren't quite sure what we need to do? Well, Matthew 5, verse 14 Jesus is talking, and if you want to read the whole Beatitudes, I mean, that's a whole bunch of yeah, buts that you'll have to read and go, up, no way. Um, but 14 through 16 says this, You are the light of the world. a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp put it under, and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So basically, Jesus is saying, you are the light. And as we pray for people who are lights in different positions of power and authority. And by the way, um, there are people that are lights on athletic teams all over our country. So we can be the light. And and Jesus is saying, you be the light so that people see your good works and are going to glorify God based on how you behave. Are you with me? Here's the deal. It's, It's just insane to me. If somebody came into my house, I asked Ricky and Vanessa to come over, and it's like, come on over at 8 o'clock. I turn off all the lights in my house. And then they come in and they're tripping over furniture and falling down the stairs. I'm going, what's wrong with you guys? Can't you you guys walk around a house without breaking things? They go, if there's a light switch, maybe that will help us, right? if I turn all the lights on, no problem. They know where they're going. I mean, they can figure out how to miss the lamp and get down the stairs and stuff. But but the key is that there has to be a light on, right? So here we are, the people who can be the light of the world, do not shine the light in the midst of darkness. Then we get mad at people because they're tripping over our furniture. Are you with me? So so again, God wants us to be people who are shining a light in the midst of all this controversy. Being different, people who are different, making peace with people, not making enemies with people, not returning evil for evil, loving people. Yeah, but... You you see what they're posting? They're stupid. There's no yeah, buts. We are the light. And then if we continue down this, this, this passage to the kind of towards the end of Matthew 5, starting at verse 43, just in case you want to yeah but that statement. He says, You have heard that I said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Therefore, you need to love in Christ, in grace, in mercy, in forgiveness, as God loves us in grace, in love, in mercy, and forgiveness. So what's God's will for us in this kind of an environment? We need to be people who really love people. We need to be people who, are, who reach out to people who make a difference and who get to be a light. And then, then the last uh, chapter of Matthew, let's turn to Matthew 28. And as, you know, as we're continuing to say, so what's God's will for us? How do we behave in this environment that seems so controversial and so um, divisive? So Matthew, Matthew 28, and we're going to go to the end Of Matthew 28. We're going to pick it up at verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and here's His promise. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is God's will for us? Want me to read it again? You guys missed it. Yes. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be people who are impacting the lives of other people so that they come to know Him. Here's the deal. God has given us a cause. Okay? We're created as people who love causes. That's why America rallies around 9-11. That's why Americans are rallying around Texas. That's why we're rallying around Florida. That's why we're rallying around Mexico. It doesn't even have to be in our country if it's a cause, we gravitate towards that cause because God put that in our heart. The problem is, is the cause that God wants us to have in our heart is that we would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and that we would want other people to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the cause that God has given us. The problem is people don't have that. They have a hole there that they're, that they're trying to fill and they try to fill it with all other causes. And so we have players on their knees Because there's a cause that they feel like they want to support. Because they don't know Jesus, but they want to support some cause. They have a need to do that. And by the way, just like in Washington and Sacramento, there are godly athletes playing on NFL teams, baseball teams, soccer teams, that, are, that just love Jesus and are, and are sharing the Lord with athletes in those environments. So as Christians, knowing that that's the cause that God's given us, then we need to be people who aren't judging, who aren't condemning, but who are praying, who are praying for the brothers and sisters who are sharing Christ with them, that the words that they say would penetrate, praying that God would soften their hearts. Because here's the reality. God is way more concerned about their salvation than about the Super Bowl. And you know what's sad? Too many of us Christians are way more concerned about the Super Bowl than we are about the salvation. It's it's an indictment on us as the church. And Jesus wants so much for us to be people who understand what His will is for us. And the good news is he's constantly preparing us. Paul said in Philippians 1, he said, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What a great purpose and a great promise. He he began a good work in us. That's his purpose. That's what he's doing. That's the preparation that's going on. And he will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, I am so grateful for that. He has so much perfecting he still needs to do. But he's not going to stop. He's not going to give up on me. He's going to continue to do that. And then as we wrap this thing up, there's, I want to just go to one more passage because how does this preparation take place? What, what is our part in it? Let's turn to Romans 12. I just want to encourage you. Hopefully this made sense to you. And again, I'm not taking positions. You know, you need to come before the Lord and say, do you want to watch football games or not? Do you want to support these guys? I don't care. You know, do you want to take positions politically to elect a new president? I don't care. But but will you be Jesus in the decision? So how do we be Jesus? In Romans 12, starting with verse 1, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So when we come to Christ, basically what we do is we come to Christ and we say, Jesus, you are Lord. Baptism is is the symbolic process of us coming before the body and saying, I have died to myself and I'm being raised up a new creation, new in Christ, Transformed and changed. And Paul says that that process that, that he began at salvation, he's going to continue to perfect until the day of Christ Jesus. That is good news. That is good news. The yeah buts are I just don't want to die in this area. No, I don't want to die in that area. Well, I really don't like this area either, God. Can't we just die in this area? I'm good at dying in this area. Right? And then he goes, and and here's how that happens, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we know what the will of God is? We, We understand it. We just went through a few passages that tell us what God's will is. How do we know what God's will is? He says, you need to stop being conformed to this world. Stop getting your perspectives from CNN. Stop getting your perspectives from Fox News. Stop getting your your perspectives from the NFL station. Stop being people who are conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed because your perspectives are being determined by what God's Word says. And we filter everything that comes to us through the word of God. And we ask God, what do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? Based on your word. It was a total radical change for Moses to become somebody who was a follower of the living God who began to know God and have God have him act in a way that's completely different from how Moses was raised. It was a transformational work. And for most of us, the same thing needs to happen. It's a transformational work for him to begin to filter the stuff that we've developed over years from experience, from upbringing, from education, all kinds of things have developed perspectives in our lives that aren't necessarily good perceptions. And the Word of God is a transforming work that will change that. We just have to be willing to let the word of God do that. And we can be like Moses and we can go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but send somebody else. If we want to do that. And God will answer him and God will tell you he's capable and God will tell you he'll take care of things and God will tell you he's with, with, with you. And, and we can continue to go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And he goes, man, you should have seen how beautiful the Smoky Mountains were. Yeah, but I was in front of my driveway. Yeah, but I told you to go there. Well, you know what? It was comfortable in my motorhome, parked in my, in my street. Man, you should have seen what the Niagara Falls were like. Well, yeah, but I stayed in my driveway. Well, yeah, but you should have gone there. Well, yeah, but I was so comfortable there. I mean, we do this, you guys. God has plans for us that bring us to the future, to the promised land, to the things that he has for us. And, and we want to stay here and go, yeah, but... As we go through, you know, these books of, of, uh, it's probably going to be three more weeks. You guys really need to pray for Doug if you want me to stop preaching. (laughs) So, I think three more weeks, but um, we'll see. Um, But, you know, I really want us to be people who take this stuff and practically apply it. The only reason I picked those two topics is because they're so prevalent. Is there anybody who just hasn't been impacted by those two topics? Haven't had a conversation, haven't had somebody talk to you about them. I mean, they're just prevalent topics. So I'm not taking a position. I'm just saying these are really prevalent. How are we Christ followers in the midst of this? Because that's the impact. That's eternal stuff. And so this is transferable to all kinds of things. How do I be a Christ follower in my work environment? How am I a Christ follower in my marriage? How am I a Christ follower as a parent with my kids? How am I a Christ follower as part of the body, loving each other as a part of the body and honoring each other as part of the body? How am I a Christ follower in my neighborhood with my neighbors? I mean, it's it's all-encompassing. But it, it, it's useless if we don't apply it and, and become people who walk in obedience and, and live a transformed life. Are you with me? And that's my heart's passion. I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of this message, is to get us to be people who are doers of the word, not merely hearers of the word. And that's where the power is. That's where the world-changing life comes in when we, be, when we become doers of the word. All right, let's pray together.